0: Thank you for listening to Connection Church's podcast. This week, guest speaker Brian Bulmer concludes the series entitled Sweet Spot. In this message, he looks at the word surrender and what that really means for the life of a follower of Christ. What is it in your own life that God is asking you to surrender? Isn't our band awesome? Yeah? So you thought they were good with light and now you know they're great because they did all that without light. Um, But... We are talking about the sweet spot in this series. And I want y'all to know that y'all as a church family is my family's sweet spot. And what I mean by that is that back in October, we had a chance to check out some churches and do a few different things. And this was the first church that we wanted to come to because we saw your commitment to the community around you. And so we started listening online and then we came and hung out in October and our girls fell in love um, with Kids Connect And we fell in love with worship and hanging out with y'all and we never checked out anywhere else We just came here and once we got here, we were so happy to be here So y'all are kind of like our sweet spot for me and for my family and I just want to thank you For that so much And I want to thank you for being here this morning to celebrate with us during this holiday weekend Um, We're so grateful for you coming out and hanging out with us And um, when I was growing up in junior high, I had a best friend, his name was Lee Bender and him and I, sometimes we'd get in trouble together, but we just loved hanging out with each other and I'd go over to his house and I'd spend the night with them and we would um, roll yards or you might call it TPing or, or whatever, um, however you might define that word for you. And um, the, the kid that lived beside him, we didn't really like that much. He wasn't a kid that we wanted to hang out with. And so we thought a cool thing to do would be to roll his yard for him because um, we figured that's what everybody wants done to them. And so we decided that we would take that upon ourselves. And the other thing in our junior high brilliance that we decided to do, and this will make more sense in a minute, is we decided to sleep out on Lee's trampoline while... Um, right after we had rolled his yard. So we rolled his yard, we um, redecorated his basketball goal, we took his bike and we hung it from his basketball goal because we thought it looked better there than on the ground. And so we redecorated things for him and we thought we did a great job and we went to bed that night um, on the trampoline. We woke up the next day thinking nothing of it, you know, not that big of a deal. Um, Woke up, went inside, well, the young man's mom Um, who was smarter than us in junior high, put two and two together and figured out either A, we had to have done it or B, we had to know who did it because we spent all night out on a trampoline, which we had not considered in our master plan of doing this. And so she came over and she approached Lee's mom and she was like, "Um, hey, we think your son and his friends, they rolled our yard and hung our child's um, um, bike from the basketball goal and it really hurt his feelings and stuff like that. And, and she was like, no, my child didn't do it, but she was also kind of mad at us. And so she went to Lee and she sat Lee and I down and she came to us and she's looking at us and she's like, Lee, did you do this? And Lee's looking up at his mom and it's just as straight face as can be. He's like, no, we, we did not do that. And then she came to me and um, I didn't know Christ then, you know, just thought I'd throw that in there to cover myself. Um, But she came to me and she looks at me and she goes, Brian, you're a great influence on my son, which I'm starting to think this is trouble. "Um, You're a great influence on my son. His life has changed so much since he's been hanging out with you. And you're just a really good person for my son to be around. And she must've went on um, for like 10 minutes telling me what a great guy I was, how glad she is her son hangs around me. And she's like, and if you tell me that y'all did not roll that yard, I will believe you. And she's like, did you roll that yard? I'm like, yes, ma'am. I mean, I just caved to the pressure and um, and and she didn't know what to do. She was like, and she kind of froze there for a minute and, and my parents would come and pick me up and um, I would leave to go home and my mom felt like the wisest thing to do with me was to beat me for that and my father felt like the wisest thing to do was not to beat me and I would like to tell you that I liked what he said more but they went with what he said and that actually bothered me more because I felt like there has to be a punishment for this and there never was. And so it kind of bothered me more. But Monday is when I felt like I was gonna get my biggest punishment because Lee and I hung out in PE class together. We'd sit beside each other in the bleachers. And so Monday morning showed, came by school starting up. I'm heading over to the bleachers where we normally sit and he comes up and you know I'm kind of seeing if we're still friends um, after I just ratted him out to his mom and we just start talking. And I'm like, you're not mad at me? And he's like, no, man, I'm not mad at you. We're like friends. I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. Um, and Lee taught me a ton about friendship in that moment and in that situation. Because I thought, you write out your friend in this situation. It's over. And with Lee, it wasn't. And it was so cool. And I learned so much. And, and a lot of things that I do with friendships, even going forward, from what I learned from Lee, is different in how I approach life. But the truth is, is I haven't talked to Lee in like 20 years. And so that season, though, I learned a great principle with him. I wouldn't really say that Lee and I have a friendship anymore. I don't know how many of you are on Facebook, but um, I'm on Facebook and I've seen a lot of you there. And some of you may have more than this. Some of you may have less than this, but when I was preparing for this, I decided to look and see how many friends I had on Facebook. And it said that I had 750 friends, which is crazy to me because I don't think I even know 750 people, but I have 750 friends on Facebook and sometimes I'll try to go through and I'll try to weed out people I know on Facebook. And so I'll delete them as a friend. And then like a couple of months later, especially those I went to high school with, it seems they'll re-add me. And I'm like, we never talk. Why are you re-adding me? And now you feel bad because you're like, if I don't re-add them, Then they may know, and obviously they wanted to be my friend, and so it's kind of like, what do I do? And then the other one that really throws me for a loop is birthdays on Facebook, because have you ever seen like on Facebook and you've seen somebody's birthday and you're like, I don't know them that well, I don't need to spend the 30 seconds it will take to write them happy birthday? And so you're kind of like buying, going by that and you're thinking that's not that big of a deal. They'll never know. Um, and so you just keep on going. Now, I will throw out this disclaimer to you. I don't check my Facebook every day. So if you don't get a happy birthday wish from me and we're friends on Facebook, don't take that personally because it may mean that I just didn't check it that day. Um, and so I don't really consider a lot of those people we're connected with on Facebook as really a relationship either. But I think sometimes we treat our relationship with God kind of like a Facebook friend, and that is we kind of add them into our lives. Maybe we make a few comments on what's going on with him, kind of his status. Maybe we kind of check in with him from time to time, but in general, there's really not much of a friendship there, or, or maybe for you, God was more like a friend in a stage of life. Um, you've learned a lot of great things from God, and Um, it's really cool, but there's really not a connection there anymore, especially like there was when you first came into a relationship with him. Um, some of us, we had like this event with Jesus and it was like, he came into our life and it was like this really cool event. But now kind of the things that we do is we, we kind of come more out of Christian duty and more out of like religious duty to be there. But for some of us, we had a totally awesome experience and relationship with Jesus Christ, but if we're to be real honest, we feel like our relationship with Christ is a lot about me doing. And we look at other people and they seem to be really excited about their relationship with Christ. And we don't feel that excited about our relationship with Christ. And we're like, what am I missing? What, what's not in my life that seems to be in their life? And so that leaves us kind of guessing what's going on. Um, for some of us, we might feel like the Jews and the Gentile people um, felt in Jesus' day. Their lives were controlled by rules and rituals to try to please their God. They thought if they did the right things, if they followed the right rules, if they made the right sacrifice, then that would please their God and that would make them happy with them. And perhaps you kind of feel that way, that the Christian life is more about behavior and the things that you do to try to please God than actually really having being connected to God. John, um, one of Jesus' disciples, he kind of realized this about the people in his day and it led him to write his gospel. And in writing this, he wanted people to truly understand the difference in between, the the difference that connecting with Christ really made in one's life. He didn't want them to think that it was about the rules and rituals. He doesn't want us to think that having a relationship with God is like a life stage or like a Facebook friend. And he wanted us to understand that our relationship to Jesus should be stronger than our relationship to our friends, to our spouse, and even to our children. And so as he writes this, he begins to share Jesus's words that he shared. Um, I would encourage you to turn to John 15, but that's probably going to be a little bit hard this morning. And so you can kind of check those things out on the screen. But we're going to look at John 15, and we're going to start off by just looking at John 15, one through 3. It says this, it says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. And while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will bear even more fruit. You are already clean because of the words that I've spoken to you. Now, people hearing this in Jesus' day, they're going to make an analogy right away that Israel should be the vine. And so they're listening to what Jesus is saying. And so they're like saying, now are you trying to say that you're the one that's supposed to take the nation of Israel's spot? And Jesus is basically saying, yeah. And they're like saying, so basically God wanted to use Israel, but now you're saying that God wants to use you to make an impact on the people. And Jesus would say, yeah, most definitely. That's what God wants to do is use me to make an impact. And then he starts talking about this idea of the vine and how God is the gardener and how Jesus is the vine and how you and I need to be connected into him as the gardener. And we get into verse two and you see it says he cuts off and that's how the NIV translates it. You may have read in a different version and it may say it a different way. Um, But when you look up that word, there's a Greek word there that's called arrow. For whatever reason, it's like standard in church. So if you say a Greek word, you're supposed to ask everybody to say it with you. So I want you to say arrow for me. And today it helps me make sure that you're awake. So can you say it one more time? Arrow. Good job. And and a definition of arrow is cut off, but another definition of arrow is to lift up. And so you get this idea in verse two that maybe, and a lot of scholars feel this way, that maybe Jesus isn't talking so much about cutting people off as is he's talking about lifting people up. And so you get this sense that as the gardener goes through with the vine, that he's not trying to, tear those who, if you read in verse three, who've been cleansed by Jesus away from him, but that he is trying to lift them up to give them a better chance to connect into the vine. And then those that are producing fruit, he's pruning them to make sure that he, they are able to stay track in the fruit that they are producing in their lives and the things that are going on in their life. So you get this beautiful picture about how God interacts in our lives to draw us closer to Jesus and to make it where our lives are in a better situation to bear fruit because Jesus has taken that first step of cleansing us and getting rid of the junk in our life. Um, And so we begin to understand that the Christian life is not about us trying to live it on our own, but it's about us seeking to be connected into that vine and allowing God to live his life out through us. It's an amazing picture that a lot of times we miss as we look at this verse. One of the ways that this really hits home to me is um, at night before our girls go to bed, we kind of have a ritual with them. We'll um, read a book, we'll sing a song. And um, one of the things I'll throw in there is I'll just kind of talk about our day and I'll share with them just the cool things I saw them doing. And if there's anything that, you know, like if they get a little selfish with each other or with, um, our neighbor's daughter, um, kind of share with them about that. But the cool thing that we do is at the end, I get to pray for them. And so I'll, and share my prayer with them. One of the things that I will always say is that I pray that I would be an example for them so that they may be connected into Christ and that they might be able to have a relationship with Christ one day. And that out of their relationship with Christ other people will see that, that they would be leaders in their generation and that other people would see that and it would cause them to want to be connected into Christ and connected into that vine that he offers us. Because so many times we get confused in our relationship with Christ. Many of us here this morning would say that it's Jesus Christ that led us to faith. It's Jesus Christ is the one that drew us to him into that relationship And if you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Christ, it will be God that calls you into that relationship and he might even be working on your heart this morning. But a lot of us, we have this mistaken belief that once we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, that it's our responsibility and it's our fault to try to carry that on by what we do and by how we try to do things. And we have to try to push in deeper to get connected to Christ because we have this independent streak and just like my girls do, and when they tell me they can do it themselves, ourselves, we feel like we can live this Christian life all by ourselves. And it's in the midst of that thinking that John is trying to clear things up as he shares Jesus' word in his gospel. And so the next few verses in 4 through 11, he's going to repeat one word 10 times in the next eight verses. And as you look up on the screens this morning, I really hope that you would take the time to look and see what that one word is. And I'll ask you about it when we're done because you're going to have to have some audience participation or I'm going to think you're asleep out there this morning. So let's read through verses 4 through 11 together. says, "'Remain in me, and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing.'" If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. And if you remain in me and my word remains in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you would bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love if you keep my commandments you will remain in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and remained in his love I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy and that your joy may be complete. When we look in those what word shows up 11 times in those 8 verses remain some translations say abide and think about that the God of this universe, the God of this country, the God of this world, the God of States for Georgia wants to remain in you. The God that wants to remain in you wants to live out his love through you, wants to show his joy through you, wants to show his life through you and your life. That is what the Christian life is all about. It's not about an event. It's not about us trying to do it on our own. If you Skip everything else. Let this burrow deep into your memory. But the Christian life is about us remaining in Christ and allowing Christ to live his life out through us. Now verse six shows us what happens when we're not connected to Christ because people like Billy Graham will say that the majority of us that are here this morning, we don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so in understanding that, Jesus explains to us what happens that if we are not into that vine and we are those branches but we're not connected in those vines that God has to set us aside almost like we're being set aside into if you will as it says in the metaphor here into the burn pile and those of you that work in the yard you completely understand that idea because when you're working in the yard and you got stuff trying to go up into your plants or stuff that's died in your plants to give your plants that are alive the freedom and the opportunity to grow you get rid of that stuff and you set it off into the burn pile so you can dispose of it and so you can get it out of the way. Now, one of the ways that I've used to illustrate this over the years, for 10 years, I had the privilege of working with um, students and now here I get to do discipleship and work with our connectors and work with um, missions and it's a joy being here. But one of the ways that I would try to bring this idea home to people is that I would tell people, and, I, and, I, and we all know that this is true, but I pitch for Atlanta Braves currently none of you are cheering. So currently you do probably don't believe me. Thank you. Some of you, I did have one guy really do. That's awesome. And I like wanted to hug him and be his best friend for life because he thought that in working with students, they're very honest with you. And so like, I would tell them that I would pitch for the of Braves and they're like, no, no, you don't. I'm like, why not? And they're like, well, you don't look like you're a pitcher. And I mean, clearly I do, but that's beside the point. Um, but they were like, you don't look like you pitch. And like, you know, how can you pitch? You know, you're here with us and stuff like that. And I'm like, you know, I'm on a deal where I don't have to show up when I pitch. And most of the times I pitch, it's home games and stuff like that. But they weren't buying it. And I could try to tell them that I was a lawyer. They wouldn't buy that either. I wanted to be one, but for some reason to be a lawyer, you have to be able to spell. And that disqualifies me. Um, so, um, and then I told them, well, maybe I'm an accountant, you know, on the side. And they're like, no, you're not. And they're like, why? And they were listing all these reasons why I wasn't one. And I said, but I say that I am one, shouldn't that be the thing that matters? And they all said no. And so then I asked them this. I said, well, then why is it that I can say that I'm a Christian and bear no fruit that shows that I'm a Christian and we're all perfectly content to say that I am one? We don't do that with any other area of our lives. We can't get away with that with any other area of our lives. But yet here we say that. And my encouragement to you is that if God, if Christ is not living his life out through you, if you don't see where God is producing his fruit, if you're not in a season where God is lifting you up, you might say, well, Brian, I'm in a dry season. Hey, get that. Remember what I talked about early. God will lift you up and pitch you closer to the vine so you can get more of what Jesus has for you. But if you're dead branches and you're claiming that you know Christ, there's something Scripture says it's just not true there. That Christianity's not an event; it's not a one-time deal. Now, the great thing about Christ and the great thing about this passage is that it doesn't leave us there, because that would kind of be kind of a bummer note to leave things on. It's like, all right, see you later. At that point, we'd all be kind of like, what on earth is he talking about? But he continues on and he begins to share with us what it looks like for us to remain in Christ, what it looks like for us to be connected into the vine. And the first thing that he talks about as you continue to look at his verses, is he talks about this idea of you and I needing being willing to listen to God. Now, a lot of times that feels a little mysterious, but we listen to God in a couple of ways. One, you listening to the sermon today, that's a way of listening to God. Two, reading his word on our own. Um, that privilege that we have to do that, that's a way of listening to God. In our connect groups, that's a way of listening to God. And in our prayer time, that's a way of listening to God. But a lot of times we approach these things, not from a, I want to hear you speak God, but from a what's in it for me perspective. We come into the sermon and we're like, well, you know, Brandon doesn't share something that I can apply or is good for me. I don't think I'm going to like that sermon today. Or when we go to God's word, we look at it and we say, well, how does this apply to me? What's in it for me? Or when we go to God in prayer, we're, we're more than happy to go through those things that we want God to know from us. But do we take the time to listen to God when we're here? Do we open up our hearts while, the, while Brandon's speaking or while I'm speaking or, or John or whoever we've had the privilege of having speak up here and say, God, speak to me this morning. God, when I open your word, speak to me. God, when I'm in my connect group, speak to me. God, when, um, when I'm in prayer, let me be willing to stop and hear you speaking to my heart. And it may sound silent for a season, but if you're willing to stop and listen, just like any conversation you have, if all the conversations you had were one-sided, none of us would have a lot of friends. But the reason why we have so many friends, and a lot of times those who seem to have the most friends seem to be the ones everybody's like, they're just such a good listener. And that's the same case with us when it comes to our relationship with God, that we would stop and be willing to listen. The thing that, one of the things that I love, not the thing, but one of the things that I love about Connection Church is that your staff works tirelessly to try to provide you um, with opportunities to help you grow in your relationship with Christ. And one of the things that's offered that I think is so amazing, it's the first church I've ever been a part of that offers this, is that we have a meditation group, a Christian meditation group that meets, and its main role is to teach us how to listen to God through His Word and through prayer. It's led by Kim Owens. Many of you know Kim. You know her heart. She's a great person leading it. Right on. Right um, so let lets me know that somebody's awake. So, um, But anyways, um, and right outside of the next steps table, there's an opportunity for you to sign up and try out that class. Like I said, it means Thursdays at noon, right during your lunch break. So even if you get in the door a little bit late, they will take care of you. But it is a wonderful opportunity for you to learn how to listen to God because it's something that we're going to have to discipline ourselves to do because it's so easy not to because it's not like, you know, he's sitting right here where we can talk to him. And God, sorry, Kim, um, gives us such a great bridge to lead us into that conversation with God. So, um, the next thing as you continue on in that verse, and, and one of the things that it says happens when we're willing to listen to God because we're willing to pit him first in our ability to listen to him is that he begins to make our requests known and he begins to honor our request that he get, that we give him instead of us coming to him like he's kind of like a cosmic vending machine where we just try to pop out our request for what we want. He knows our heart and he knows our minds are focused on him. So the Bible says that he honors our request in those situations. The next thing that's also asked of us that I hope you remember first thing is listening. No, it's really hard to take notes today, but if you can remember listening and the next thing to remember is to surrender. The last song we sang was such a beautiful illustration of our hearts being willing to surrender to God, Because it's one thing to hear God, but it's another thing to surrender our will and who we are to God. Um, there's a book called Holy Available, which is an awesome um, book for you to check out. But in there, the author defines surrender as this. Surrender means the joyful acceptance of God's providential direction. Let me repeat that for you. Surrender means the joyful acceptance of God's providential direction. Direction. And so in order to bear fruit, not only must we be willing to listen, but we must be willing to surrender ourselves to be willing to bear that fruit. So our lives aren't about our self-focus, but they're about God and his glory. And a lot of times for many of us we'll try to fight this. And we'll we'll look in our lives and we'll say, Okay, hey, I've accepted Christ or I've at least said this prayer. And so now I'm going to move on. I'm going to live my life. It's not that big of a deal because if you grew up like me in Baptist circles, we kind of had this way where like, if we sinned, we could just like pray about it and then God would forgive us. And so then we could go back and sin like we wanted to again, Um, you know, because God's forgiven me, right? And so we have this idea, like this is cosmic catch 22 that God, when he wrote scripture was like, oh my gosh, I didn't see that in there. They got me, but it's not there. And God is not saying we get to go out and live our lives Like, we want to, but we begin to think that way. But the people who I respect to get this, because sooner or later, when we go out and we live our lives our own way and do our own things, more times than not, after a while, we hit rock bottom in how we live our lives. And the people who I respect the most are those people who've walked through some type of addiction or some type of recovery where they've walked through a Christian-based program and they've seen what God does in their lives when they've hit rock bottom and they live for Christ. Because they, when they walk through that and they give their lives to Christ, they're serious about it and they're committed to it. And you know that there is no doubt that their lives are about remaining in Christ and seeing that different, that God makes in their lives. And they are such an inspiration to me and they are such a reminder to me because they know that life is not about them trying to live it themselves. They know that life is not about them trying to seek their own glory, but that it's about God and his glory and allowing him to live out his glory through their Lives And it's an amazing thing to see. The last one that I hope you keep in your memory, keep listening to God in your memory, keep surrendering to God in your memory. And those two are great, but they don't do anything for us unless we're willing to obey God. We have to be willing to listen to him, hear what he's telling us. We have to be willing to surrender our wills to that. And then we have to be willing to obey that in our lives because verses 10 and 11 in there, Christ for Christ to remain in us, and his love to remain in us causes us to complete God's joy. When I came across that, I was like, and I've read through this passage before and it just struck me. It's like, we have the honor and the privilege of completing the God of the universe's joy through our lives and how we live our lives. And that just blows me away. And in doing that, he showers his love on us and he honors our request. Let me tell you the, the, the difficulty with these three ideas where I really see them played out the most with this um, idea to listen, this idea to surrender, and this idea to obey is through my two girls. As you know, Brandon's got three boys. Well, I have two little girls and they're kind of on their own little track. Our oldest, she's three years old. Her name is Hannah. Our youngest is one year old. Her name is Ava. And when I was walking through this lesson, I was beginning to think about my interaction with them and how I desire these three things in their life when they interact with me. But... They will decide that they want something. And our oldest is not as clever in a lot of ways, I think, as our one-year-old is. And I'll explain to you why. As our oldest, when she wants something and you're like, Hannah, no. She's like, what'd you say? Like, Hannah, no. What'd you say? Hannah, no. Say? Like, Hannah, stop. Do not do that. And then finally she'll acquiesce. Now our one-year-old, she doesn't even play that game with us. Our one-year-old, you go, Ava, stop. Ava, stop. Like if she's trying to grab this bottle, Ava stops and she'll touch the bottle. You're like, no, Ava, and you have to take it away from her. And I look at them and I look at that reaction that they have and the things that go on. I'm like, that's like us. God will set up warning sign after warning sign. God will try to speak into our hearts. God will ask us to surrender. God will ask us to obey. And we're like, No. No, what'd you say, God? What'd you say? I I don't understand. You know, your scripture says it and the other people I've talked to about your word, they're telling it to me, but clearly, God, you've got something different for me. No, it's just like with our kids, how we want them to listen, how we want them to surrender, how we want them to obey. It's the same way with us. It's the same way in our lives. Because I believe this, how much we value God is how much in making his joy complete Is how much we value how we perceive him and how much we're willing to do these things in their lives. Just like as our children get older, that value that they place on us and in believing us will determine how well they follow those things that we've asked them to do in their lives. And so, my question for you this morning is how do you see Jesus? Do you see Jesus as the one that delivers you from troubles, or do you see Jesus as the one that delivers you from sin? Do you see Jesus as like your savior kind of only or do you see Jesus as your sustainer and Lord? Do you see him as your inspirer or do you see him as the one that transforms your life? Do you see him as the one to know about or the one to personally know? Because in my opinion, it's very easy for us to get a partial view of God in our relationship with him. And it makes it real easy for us to continue to live our lives for our glory. Because see, if I see God just as my problem solver, the one that I go to when I need a solution to something, when I see God as the one that kind of saved me at this point and now I can kind of do whatever I want to do, when I see God as the one that, oh, that was just great inspiration from God. Oh God, I'm so thankful for the inspiration that you gave me. I'm so grateful that Brandon's sermon inspired me this morning and that's where it ends. Or we're like... One, just to know about, I just, you know, Bible study is great, but Bible study has to always lead to action. But we're just all about knowing more about him, but not letting that grow us. It's real easy for us to live for our glory. There was a great theologian of the 80s um, that I love personally. His name is Mr. Miyagi. You might have heard of him. If you've not heard of him, um, you should. You should definitely watch the movie, not the new one because it's good, but it's not as good as the original. But he said this, and I think it illustrates this point so very, very well in our lives. He said that if you walk on the left side of the road, you're safe. If you walk on the right side of the road, you're safe. If you walk down the middle of the road, sooner or later, squish, just like grape. It's the same way with Christianity. If you don't know Christ... At least we know where you're at. One of the things that I've been able to have the privilege to do is to go with some mission teams to Las Vegas. And people in Las Vegas, they're like, no, dude, I don't know Christ and I don't care to know him. I'm like, that is so awesome because at least I know where they're at. And in the South, it's so easy for us to buy into this game. But they're like, no, I don't know him. So they're over here on this side of the road. Or it's, yes, I know Jesus Christ. He is my Lord. He is my Savior. But those of us who are trying to walk down the middle of the road, just like, great. It's not going to work. It's not gonna work in our hearts and our lives. And so we need to be willing to say yes to Jesus and surrender our lives to him. And all we have to do in doing that is allow Christ to live out his life through us, to give him that power and ability. And when we begin to see God, not only as our trouble solver, our savior and our inspire and the one to know about, but we begin to see him as our sin deliverer, our sustainer, our transformer, the person that we can personally know by remaining in him, then it's really hard if those things are living out in our lives for it to be about us personally. It's more about God and his glory and what he's doing and how he's trying to do those things through us. This guy lived out in my life um, a couple of years ago. Um, my um, cousin and at the time his fiance were, were living with my aunt and they... Um, my aunt, in kind of a day of just frustration, different things go on, said some unkind things she thought in private about my cousin's fiance. And at that point, we'd probably all agree that that was very bad, but my cousin's fiance harder. her. And if you were on, if you would have heard the story from my cousin and his fiance at the time, you probably would have agreed with their side of the story. If you would have heard things from my aunt and what she tried to do to reconcile and make that stronger, you probably would have agreed with that. This, this feud between my family would go on for years. As a matter of fact, my aunt was not allowed to come to my cousin's wedding because of this feud that was going on. There was decisions that people on both sides were trying to make that were deeply influencing things. And Katie and I, and that's my wife, for those of you who don't know, we came to come visit them. We, we came and I got to be a part of his wedding and stuff. And then a couple of years later, we came back and there was on basically on the eve of them giving birth to their child. And we were there with them that day and we were hanging out and they were getting to play with Hannah at the time because Ava wasn't born yet. And they were playing with Hannah and having a great time with her. And we get home that evening and my grandmother is looking at me. She's like, I don't understand how you're able to do it. I was like, you don't understand how I'm able to do what? And she's like, I don't understand how you're able to be connected with them and connected with us. And yet, be so good with them and be so good with us. It just seems like that would be so hard. My grandmother doesn't know Christ. I've been praying for her to come to know Jesus since I, was, uh, since I accepted Christ as a sophomore in high school. And to this day, she hasn't accepted Christ yet, but God opened up the door for a powerful way for me to be able to talk to her that night. And I just said, I said, Grandma, I said, it's not me who's able to do that. You're right. If it was me, I probably would pick a side. I probably would stand strong with one side, but it's not me that's doing it. It's Christ in me that's doing that. It's Christ in me that's enabling me to be on your side, and it's Christ in me that's able to be with them on their side and love both of you as you walk through this time and as you walk through this difficult season. And it opened up the door for me to be able to share with her about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, like I said, she still doesn't know Christ to this day, but at least I was able to have the opportunity to share with her because every time before I go, that's one of the things that I pray for is just the ability to be able to talk with her about a relationship with Christ. One of the cool things that did come out of that situation is that day my wife was even bolder than me and as she was talking with my cousin and his wife at that time now, he said you know, she said basically one of the things that I would love to have is family nearby so the girls could go over there and she was just like, you know, if I was in your shoes, I would so love having family close to me and that began to open a crack and open a door and um, as the baby was born and stuff, they began to allow my aunt, my cousin's mom, and my grandmother to be able to weave their way back into their lives. And now they hang out together, they're together, and that's a great victory. But that victory of my aunt and my grandmother coming to know Christ, that's one that we are still pulling for. And so this morning, I want you to begin to think about, just imagine what it would be like if people saw this lived out in our lives. They saw us being willing to listen to God. They saw us being willing to surrender our lives to God. And they saw us being willing to obey what God is saying in our lives. Imagine, like I said before, how this would play out in our children's lives. How they see us as the example of somebody who's willing to listen, somebody willing to surrender and willing to obey. And the example that that sets in their hearts and in their lives and how they listen and how they surrender, and how they obey to us as their parents. Imagine how, they, how people see something different in you and me in our lives and how we approach the people that we go to work with because we're willing to put ourselves under our God and live a little different life, not to shun them or shame them, but like I was with my family, to be able to be that one that bridges the gaps, to be able to show them the difference that Christ makes in our lives. Imagine how this plays out in school and the people that you come in contact with and your interactions with them as they see something different about your life and want to know what it is. And it's not about you doing, but it's about you remaining in Christ and allowing him to work out his will and his love and his life and his desire for you. that are in Statesboro and and a lot of times in Statesboro it's really easy for us to think that most of us have a relationship with Christ or some relationship to the church but the truth is is that 70% of Statesboro won't darken the door of a church and so imagine if we being surrendered to God being willing to listen being willing to obey show them what that looked like that's different I sat down with a student one time and I was trying to encourage them to be baptized. And that student looked at me and they said, why do I want to be baptized and say that I'm a follower of Jesus when I see no difference in the people I hang out with? But if we're willing to do this, if we're willing to be a branch connected into that vine, those things can take place in our lives, in the way we live our lives, in the way that God interacts with us. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do this morning. You are um, blessed with the opportunity that I can't see you. So I'm going to have to trust you on this. But I'm going to ask that you would bow your head and that you would close your eyes for me this morning. And I just want to guide you in a time of prayer and guide you in an opportunity. And this prayer is going to follow kind of those steps that I laid out for you. And you'll kind of see as we go along what I mean. And then we're going to give you some opportunities to respond to that prayer. And then our band is going to close us off in just an awesome opportunity for us to praise God. But let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for the opportunity of this day. I thank you so much for those that have come this morning to be in your house, to grow, to be shaped by your word. Lord, I pray that you would continue to guide and direct in their hearts. Lord, I pray that right now, we would take the opportunity for silent prayer and we would quiet ourselves and we would be willing to listen so all across the auditorium I would just ask that we would all be quiet and we would ask God this one question what is the next step you have for me this morning Mm -hmm. Father God I pray that spoken to hearts in that moment and I know that it was brief and some may need to go home and spend more time in prayer but Lord I pray that in that brief moment you laid on their heart what's next for them and Lord I pray that you would give us the strength through your power and your love to be willing to surrender our lives to what you asked us to listen to from your heart and now Lord I ask that you would give us the strength to obey that in your name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand up for me. Everybody in the auditorium, stand up, and I'm just going to have to trust you on this. But, if in that prayer, if in that time this morning, you've seen the difference that Christ makes, and you want that difference in your life, you want to be able to remain in Him and allow Him to live out His life for you so you can make His joy complete, so you can feel His love, we're going to ask you to physically and spiritually head towards the light over there. Um, And there are some people who want to talk with you, want to share with you in prayer this morning, but we're going to encourage you to go and to do that and share with them. Please don't let today pass you by without talking with one of them. Or if you were here last week when the land spoke and so many of you came forward to give your life to Christ, we know about a few of you, but we'd like to know more about you. And we would ask that you would take the moment to go over and talk with them this morning as well so we can know about that so we as a staff and our prayer team can begin praying for you so we through next steps can begin helping you know the next thing to do we would ask that you would surrender And for some of you this morning may be about you needing to come up to this altar and just surrender your life to christ and as the band plays i'm going to encourage you to come up and surrender And for some of you this morning, it's about your need to be willing to obey. And I know that's kind of hard to see this morning, but maybe in big print on those, you try to write out what it is that you need to obey next. It might be that you need to sign up for the vision dinner. It might mean that you need to sign up for baptism or Kim's meditation class so you can learn to listen to God, but that you would walk out of here saying, what is my next step to be willing to obey? It may be how you treat somebody at work. It may be how you live your life with your family. It may be how you interact at school, but how are you willing to obey? So as the band plays, I want you to be willing to take that next step and follow what Christ has for you. Do that now.